Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, and everything else in between. Whether you're watching the NBA playoffs, psych. <laughs> now we might be watching that. But neither here nor there. This is the Football Misfits, where we talk about football, home of the Football Misfits. I am your host, LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Fuck Nasty, a.k.a. The Sad Spurs Fan. No, I don't know. I don't think so. Neither here nor there. I should mention this is also episode 92, eight away from 100, and it would not be the Footballing Misfits without the other host, the man with the plan. Will he get it done? Yeah, you know he can, Bars. I'm talking about Mr. Misfits himself. Y'all may know him as Ronnie. So do I. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? What is good? Stay strong, be brave, blessed Eid, everybody who celebrates. That is a fact. Eid Mubarak, all my peoples, all my Muslims out there who's fasting for the month of Ramadan, breath stanking during the middle of the day. I understand how it goes. Neither here nor there. And again, it would not be the footballing misfits, not only without Ronnie, but without the man behind the data desk with the numbers, the sources, and everything else in between. You need it. He's probably got it. Uh, he can afford it, too. So I've heard. Uh, Talking about none other than Spencer Povich, Spencer Reality. Y'all may know him as Spencer, and so do I. Spencer, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love, peace and love. Eating fast food with sparkling water. Let's go. Hey, hey I definitely co-sign that. co-sign that. That's what I was going to bring up. We were talking about how Spencer's bougie, but you are too. Oh, yes. But I think the thing about it is for me, uh, at least in, in, for me, yes. Uh, I don't know you if it's drink a... San Pellegrino. Love it. I, but <laughs> my, my point being, I don't know if it's a, it's a secret necessarily. I, I wear the bougie hat loud and proud, baby. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Now, can I afford it is, is another thing. Uh, you're yes, saying Spencer got the money to tell McDonald's to get him um, the <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm telling Spencer, yo, let me hold, let me hold a couple crazy. dollars. I'm good for it. <laughs> I'm drinking a Sprite. That's crazy. <laughs> the lies. The lies being uh, created. A sprite is the people's drink. That's a fact. Um, oh, but, yeah, no. that Sprite is heartburn if I've ever seen it. The best kind. All in Sprite. But, yeah, yeah. McDonald's Sprite. Boy. Shout out to McDonald's. Sponsor us. Come on, dog. Do it. Anyways, before we get too carried away, the, um. Ronnie, I do want to mention real quick on McDonald's. Is Eden Hazard still playing for Madrid, or is he, is he still on that McDonald's sponsorship? Because I didn't see him in Champions League on 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 during the week. Yeah, I think he's McDonald's FC, McChicken FC, Snack Wrap. Spencer That's rebuttal. A great segue. Let's get into how Real Madrid won their thirty fifth La Liga title. <laughs> we'll <laughs> get to that. Transition. But we have to talk about the Altaman City first. <laughs> That being said, yes, of course, Champions League. Let's get it. Let's get into the bread and butter, uh, which I think officially after this week might have taken back the most electrifying competition in Europe. Uh, hell of a week of footy. Of Tuesday course, they definitely did it. As you mentioned, yeah, the Man City Real Madrid match. Shall we start there? Um, let's do it. So it looked like Manchester City were gonna wash Real Madrid, but somehow, some way, it only ended two one. Half time. Phil Foden gave them a 3 1 advantage before Finney Jr. cut it back to one. And every time Man City scored, Real Madrid had some type of answer. Bernardo Silva scored, and not long after that, Benzema nets a penalty. But Man City still comes out on top 4 3. Very entertaining match, literally back and forth. City could not hold on to a two goal cushion. This tie, I do not think is done and dusted. For as good as Man City were on the day, if they finished their chances, it might could have been done and dusted. But Real Madrid has new hope. Yeah, I think the name of the game now is if you see Real Madrid on the calendar or the schedule for the Champions League, just just tune in. Uh, in every, the, the last four or five matches they've had have been absolute, absolute thrillers. We, we call them instant classics, or I have at least, and... They've lived up to every second. Uh, like you said, City could not hold a two-goal cushion to save their lives. Some would say that's a good problem. But against Real Madrid, you just don't know. Man City looked the better side in the first half, sometimes in the second half for the majority of the match. But one thing's for certain is if, where there's a Carlo Ancelotti, there's a way. I mean, he's everywhere. And, and 
his influence on this team. I mean, I don't know if it's his influence. I don't know what he does, but he just wins. The guy wins. And now, we're speaking seeing of influence, they were missing Casamitos on the day. Yes, indeed. And, and that could have played a role, a factor in, you know, Man City being able to have these chances that they fucked up. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think the fact that City's got, you know, such a strong midfield and that's where they operate. And obviously, you know, their best player and maybe the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, is in there basically running the show. So they would have that, that absolutely missed Casemiro in that first leg as we saw. Um, City basically had possession of the ball and did whatever they wanted with it. Um, Man City, however, also were down a man in, in Joao Cancelo, who himself is you know not only a, not only a good defender but a good creator as well. And Madrid certainly took advantage of that. Um, Vinny Jr. First of all, hats off, incredible goal, ran the length of the pitch. He looked at Guardiola like, "Come on, dog, what you thought this was?" Um, and then of course, Karim Benzema, who we've been singing his praises basically all Champions League knockouts and basically the majority of the season. There's so much in this tie. Good players, players in form, two really good teams. Madrid, the underdog, somehow, some way. Um, and uh, you can't count them out. 4-3, this is almost as scary as being up 1-0 to Atletico Madrid, something that Man City have, ha have been through in the past couple of weeks. It's anybody's match. It's anybody's match. It's advantage City at the moment, but I don't know. Real Madrid um, are capable of turning the aggregate score upside down into their favor and they're playing it at home they might just do it i feel like that home field advantage might be a bit overwhelming for for city and this real madrid side should be again coming off of winning la liga should be in tip-top shape for that second leg so we'll see how they play it out in the burnable but i am still sticking to my initial pick Real Madrid through to the final. Yeah, and that's a good point there. As we know, Man City still in the thick of it uh, in the Premier League race with Liverpool, one point cushion, nothing to you know feel comfortable about. Whereas Madrid are basically one cup done. Now we can focus on the big one here uh, in the Champions League, and so they'll have all the energy towards that. The rest of the season in the Liga doesn't mean shit for them. Um, so pressure is definitely on the side of Manchester City. I think they've dealt with adversity well enough thus far. Um, and I think a lot of their key players are kicking it into high gear at the right times. And they will have Joao Cancelo back for that second leg as well, which is a big boost for them. I'm still going advantage City. Uh, but nonetheless, regardless of what happens, I will be tuning in for that match because it'll probably probably be a really, really good one. But maybe no Kyle Walker. And that's a big one. And he didn't play in the first leg either, did he? No, they had John Stones, I think, and then Fernandez. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I believe I think John Stones walked off injured as well, either at the weekend or at, during that match. So City having some issues at the back there as well. It's good shot by Spence there, yeah. So it could be advantage Real Madrid, even though they're down a goal. Uh, we know goals is what they do for fun. And for some reason, those old legs of Luka Modric, they just seem to you know reverse time uh, as, as he plays on. So... Um, We'll see a good battle on all sides. Uh, and the next match also featuring English and Spanish uh, uh, competition, Liverpool and Villarreal. Uh, the match, obviously, at Anfield, which, as everyone knows, gives the huge advantage to Liverpool, a team who might be the most informed team in the world at the moment. I think we've we talked about Villarreal having a, a shot at this, a puncher's chance maybe. They've been playing great football in Europe specifically. And for the first half, they did that. You know, going into it, it was nil-nil. They looked like they were holding on by the skin of their teeth. Um, and the ref seemed to be helping too. He called a lot of soft fouls for them in their final third when Liverpool looked like they were about to pounce. But nonetheless, uh, walked into halftime nil-nil. And that's had to be a, a hope for them. They've been defending excellently throughout this competition. We saw against Bayern Munich as well, the same sort of same sort of deal. But uh, Liverpool weren't having none of that in the second half. They overpowered them. They scored two quick goals, an own goal in the 53rd, and then Sadio Mane putting one in in the 55th. And from there, I think it was just another showcase of Liverpool kind of being too overpowering um, and just being able to kick it into that next gear. If this one doesn't work, we'll go here. And just kind of and just being able to adapt to anything and, and really finding a way they've got a killer front line when they what clap is kind of he'd he be on dirt when he has Sadio Mane 
up top and Luis Diaz and Mo Salah. Just three wings, I guess you would call them, all the way up top and really stretching defenses there. You can see how hard it is for teams to kind of cope with that. And uh, Villarreal, sure enough, uh, buckled eventually. Um, but, yeah, Liverpool really the stronger side here. A two-goal cushion going into the second leg. Is it safe to say Villarreal, you, you did well, but not well enough? You also got to give some credit to Thiago. Thiago has been amazing because many times when teams used to play that low block against Liverpool, they really didn't have a player to kind of like unlock. And Thiago has been amazing with that. That's a fact. Uh, yeah, Liverpool's number six, um, I think, really showed out in this match as well in form. And the other one for me, the, the partnership that he has with, with Fabinho, not having to worry about what's going on behind him and just being able to focus on, like you said, breaking down that low block. Fabinho is everywhere. Like you, you think he's a center back and he's up there in the final third, he's breaking up play. And then you've got the, uh, you know, the back pass guy, Jordan Henderson, to just kind of settle things down. Henderson was actually, you know, it was his chance on goal that was affected, which was, um, which ended up being the own goal. And then Fabinho, you want some Sheikh Himlet making all these runs. Yeah, Liverpool were on their bullshit. I won't say it's necessarily done and dusted, even though it all signs look like it might be. Because they're going to Villarreal. The, the setting is intimate. They got to find a way, and they probably will, to weather that storm. At the end of the day, I still think it will be Liverpool, Real Madrid, but we're not. I'm not entirely sleeping on Villarreal. They're not in the semis by accident. They're proven that they are worthy contenders in the semifinal. And we'll see how they can improve if they do. But although, like I said, although I think they're in the final, Liverpool, you can't ignore the second leg. Yeah, I mean, it's the Champions League for a reason, two legs. But I think here, Liverpool is not the team you want to have a two-goal deficit on, especially now with the biggest thing I think that makes Liverpool such a scary team is the depth that they seem to have this season. We saw just in that match alone, Nabi Keita, who was playing well, coming on uh, for Jordan Henderson. We saw um, Sadio Mane and Luis Diaz both going out and entered Diogo Jota. You <laughs> saw Diva Origi, Mr. Clutch himself. Um, and that's leaving out, you know, a couple guys. Um, and then even in the defense um, with Alexander Arnold coming out, Joe Gomez comes in and who hasn't got many ticks this season, but everybody seems to be playing their position and everybody does it well. And they've got high quality pieces deep into their bench, which is a scary thought. Villarreal, I think they prided themselves on being able to low block and, and take their chances in this match. They had those chances. Um, it's whether or not they can get past that, you know, that back line of Liverpool in Van Dijk and Konate. We saw Chukwese have a couple of chances, you know, get in there and get in behind, but you know, just not as many as you'd like. And I think the second leg will be more of the same. Liverpool on to the final, in my opinion. Not the hottest of takes in the world. Yeah, scary enough. Scary enough to see Liverpool in form like that and still chasing the Premier League. The quadruple is alive, ladies and gentlemen. But that was the Champions League semifinals. We move on to the competition that formerly held the title of most electrifying competition in Europe. The Europa League. And uh, to oh, be fair, yeah. it, it did not... Did not disappoint as well in their semifinal legs. It wasn't as electric. We did get some goals aplenty. We started. No, with the first... no, that's what I will have to um, give you a bit of a rebuttal. Just, a, just a little bit. The game between Frankfurt and West Ham at the Dirty Bubble was electrifying ish. <laughs> yes, it was definitely electrifying ish at the Dirty Bubble. <laughs> um, the the um, West Ham going down as soon as possible, like as soon as you can, you know, as early as you could go in the first minute, Frankfurt taking the lead there. Um, West Ham saying, nah, none of that. Not only were they uh, competing in this match, they were also beating up German commentators, allegedly, at the dirty bubble. So watch out for the hooligans, fam. This ain't Cap New, I guess. <laughs> you got to watch who you talk to. Um, and then back on the pitch, Mikel Antonio, uh, bringing leveling things for West Ham early in the first half. That's two goals in the first half if you're counting before 30 minutes. So, Ronnie, you absolutely have a point there. In the second half, it'd be Frankfurt to take the lead in through Daichi Kamada in the 54th. West Ham would have chance upon chance upon chance. 
would not find the goal. I think most notably an incredible bicycle kick by probably one of their best players this season and Jared Bowen hit the post. The keeper had nothing for it. If it just was an, uh, an inch shorter, it, it would have been a beautiful goal, maybe goal of the season for West Ham. But sure enough, off the post, off the keeper's back, and then, you know, out of there. But West Ham down 2-1. This tie is far from over, Ronnie. Would you agree? Far from over. I still give the edge to Frankfurt. They seem to be the better side. No Premier League bias here. And they're going to be playing in front of their Frankfurt faithful. So, by the way, the way they took over the Dirty Bubble, not to the extent as they took over the Camp Nou, still quite a large presence in London town. At the end of the day, Frankfurt, are, I see them overpowering West Ham in the second leg. It'll be a lot to a little in the second leg. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And speaking of German uh, competition, uh, the other leg we saw featured RB Leipzig, another team in form in Europe. And domestically, you could argue they would face off against the Glasgow Rangers. This match, a lot less exciting, depending on how you looked at it. Just the one goal there late on, courtesy of, as Ronnie would call him, Mr. Worldwide, uh, <laughs> Angelino. Um, scoring super late on. Rangers could not find the answer. It seemed too late for them uh, over at the Red Bull Arena in Leipzig. The second leg is, at, I mean, at home uh, for Rangers at the Ibrox. And we've seen them turn things around in the second leg, most notably in the last round against Braga. They did that. So maybe they could push for that. But it seems like Leipzig right now are the team to beat. They've got plenty of firepower. And I mean, wasn't many goals in this one here. Uh, Christopher Nkuku, however, did have some chances, um, and uh, you'd assume that he'd get some more in the second leg. I would agree with you. I think you mentioned it last week. It looks like it's going to be an all-German final, and I think it's leaning in that direction at the moment with both teams obviously leading. I think they will continue to do so in the second legs. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I called it. It would be an all-German final. These first legs are pretty much leaving me, and you as well, vindicated to an extent. We know the second legs have to be played out, but Rangers, I don't think can come back from this either, even though it's only a one-goal deficit, one-nothing at that. Maybe they can force extra time, tying it up, winning the match one-nothing, and then one-one on aggregate. But I honestly don't see it. Just like the West Ham-Frankfurt type, Leipzig are just too good. They're going to they're gonna advance to play Frankfurt in the final in Spain. Sorry to the British clubs, West Ham and Rangers. Yeah, and that would uh, that would do it for uh, the former most electrifying competition in Europe. Uh, we'll see what happens in the second legs, uh, both in the Champions League and in the Europa League. Now that now something I know what we're going to talk about next. It's the third tier competition, right? The Conference League. Yes, sir. The tie between um, Feyenoord and Marseille felt like a Champions League match. From like the 1980s, with <laughs> with the two fans just having like a pyrotechnic battle with one another, like all you saw on either end of the clip was smoke and flares and fire going up. I love that European environment. The atmosphere in Rotterdam pretty much made this game worth watching. It was Feyenoord who took the match from Marseille, final score of 3-2. So I, if I were doing games of the week, this would be it. And Feyenoord are a step closer into making it to that final, getting Dimitri Payet and that dumbass hairstyle up out of here. In the other tie in the Conference League, Leicester City and Roma. Faced off against one another. Lorenzo Pellegrini got the scoring started hella early in England. And then Gianluca Mancini, no relation to Roberto. He his own goal forced Leicester City equalizer. They're going back to Rome all square at one. What do you make of the conference league semis? So Marseille for me was gonna be a finalist in final are really making that difficult. I would say right now, Feyenoord look like the best team in, in the competition, especially if you go back into last round. 
how they kind of made quick work of uh, Slavia Praha in that second leg in a really electrifying match. They're scoring goals. They've scored at least three goals in their last three matches in this competition, going back to the first leg against Slavia Praha. They don't look stoppable at the moment, and can Marseille defend, defend, defend against them? Marseille haven't been doing the best job defending, period. I mean, they concede at least one goal a match, with the exception of against um, Pauk. I was, I was about to attempt to say the whole name. Oops. Um, so can they stop this high-powered fire team? Maybe not. And I want to stick with Marseille for the sake of I picked them before the tie started, and that's the only reason I'm going to. But they are going to need some Dimitri Payet magic, and I'm not talking about his hair, like Ronnie said. Um, on the other side, Leicester and Roma. I did have Roma going all the way, and I still think that they will do so. Leicester City, uh, however, have been basically saving their entire squad, their first team, for this competition. They're all, you know, their eggs are all in this basket. Uh, against Spurs over the weekend, they made eight changes, so you know where their heart lies. And that could prove effective for them. Will they get past Jose Mourinho's men? At this point, I'm rocking with Jose for the fact that it's a cup competition. He knows how to get it done. Roma aren't too shabby either, with that being said. I'm still rocking with Roma but entertaining in that they're very level as far as the competition goes. And that's my piece on the Conference League, something that that's I feel like... That's a very good um, encapsulation of the Conference League. These four sides are all pretty much evenly matched. Right, and I guess with club with cup competitions, you love to see that. And in the semifinals, it kind of shakes out that way more often than not. You would argue in the Champions League, based on merit, Villarreal absolutely deserve to be there. Um, but normally you're looking for the headlines when it kind of shakes out the headline naming teams. Uh, the Europa League is becoming also more of that. And then in the conference, league, I think it's the biggest example of that. So, we're, I mean, I'm happy. It's entertaining football we're getting through the week uh, yes. as the business end of the season continues on. Hey, listen, makes me happy. That'll prove to be an interesting final, whichever four teams make it out of those conference league Now... One more European competition worth discussing was the Women's Champions League semifinals. Um, PSG lost to Lyon. I feel like that was going to be expected. Ada Hegerberg, who not too long ago made her return to the Norwegian national team, as well as Quinty Hennad, confirming a 5-3 result. And on the other tie, Wolfsburg and Barcelona. Wolfsburg snapped Barcelona's 45-match, was it a win streak? Yes, 45-match win streak on Saturday. It didn't mean anything because they still lost 5-3 on aggregate. Barcelona are through to the <laughs> final. <laughs> Barcelona versus Leon final, the defending champions versus the maximum winners of the women's champions league um this should be an interesting matchup at the juventus stadium in turin we're riding barcelona or do we see leon having an outside chance because if you ask me the answer is no yeah i'm gonna go no that loss to wolfsburg doesn't mean a damn thing uh leon has looked good though they beat psg and juventus in previous legs um but in close matches to be fair um that being said, I mean, Barcelona are the giant that they are. You said 45-match 45 45-match 45 win streak? Unbelievable. Uh, that's a different monster uh, that you don't want to go up against. Uh, and they still have the big dog, Alexia Putea. So, yeah, I'd slow it down a little bit. I think Barcelona are still the top dog, the dogs to beat. If Leon does it, hey, kudos to y'all. It's a big upset. But, eesh, I'm not going against the big dogs, personally. I... I think it would be rude too, especially for you. You learned your lesson when you picked Chelsea to beat Barcelona last time around. Oh yeah, um, that was a swin. That was a swindling, and and I should have did research on my part. Had I known that they were on a twenty-seven match win streak, <laughs> I would have never done that. <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Now this is a rematch of the twenty nineteen final in Budapest, a match in which Leon won the fourth of five consecutive titles. They won that match 4-1 on the day. A Hegerberg hat trick pretty much did, did it for Leon. This time around, like you, like, like we're saying, it's going to be 
Alexia Puteas, Jenny Hermoso, and Co. for Barcelona, winning their second all-time and consecutive Champions League. Um, the final is on May 21st, and um, it's going to be worth watching. So I'm um, keeping an eye out for that. Facto, and if you know if you know Barcelona fans, they are going to show out. I mean, they've been watching Barca's women in large numbers. So I mean, regardless of the fact that it's at the Juventus Stadium, you can make, you can expect them to pull up and watch their watch their uh, their big dogs compete. Plenty they're of Barca fans. Over, they're going to take over turn the way Frankfurt took over Barcelona on the men's side. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of the men's side, shall we stick with? Uh, La Liga, Barca men's did play today, day of recording, which is Sunday, a 2-1 win over Mallorca, but that didn't mean a damn thing because the big news here uh, was that Real Madrid, after a 4-0 ass-whooping of uh, Espanyol, have claimed, uh, as Spencer mentioned at the top of the pod uh, so eloquently, the 35th La Liga trophy. Um, the first this season for Carlo Ancelotti and a big one for him, marking his uh, fifth league title. Ancelotti has now won a league title in all of Europe's big five leagues. If you're counting, that's in France, in Italy, in England, in Germany, and now in Spain. But kudos to him. I mean, this is nothing we didn't see coming. Real Madrid have been the best team by far and then some this past season. Uh, nobody was challenging them. Everybody else has been going through whatever they've been going through. They're too busy fighting for top four. I think they forgot what the league title is. Yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on Carlo Ancelotti's uh, big win here? We we all saw the photo of him smoking a cigar. Quite legendary. I mean, congrats to him. Uh, they they had an exit run the campaign. Madrid kind of they just kept playing their game, and of course, it's it's Benzema and that. Uh, I think aside from the year before or last year, they won the league title last uh, two years ago now, I believe. And then this one again, and they just, they kept playing their game. And this year, almost if you had to, I mean, it's not hard to pick one player. If you had to pick one who's been the the catalyst behind it all for Madrid, it's been Benzema. And he's just been playing amazing. And they got the league title win, number 35, Campiones, Campiones. Back to Carlos. <laughs> Carlos, uh, he's put the team out there that's been able to perform, and luckily Benzema's been on it. <laughs> so they've been able to perform really well. Yeah, um, congrats. And, uh, yeah, let's get a pushing. <laughs> nah, not so too. Marcelo <laughs> has won now 24 trophies, and I want to give him a big shout-out because that's amazing for a Madrid player. I think he has the most at 24 trophies collected. Uh, this year will probably be his last year, so it seems to be a great send-off for him unless he gets renewed, and hopefully they do something special for him. Uh, there's a couple more games left, I think, at the Santiago Bernabeu, and hopefully he gets like that proper send-off, because a lot of times with Real Madrid legends, they usually don't get that that send-off when they can kind of leave on their own terms or a contract's done and kind of get to see them sent off, in a hopefully, in a, in a cool way. So hopefully he gets to see that. Again, number 35, it just and to win so early, uh, it was good. It was good. Not the end of the day, dramatic last-minute goal. It just it feels good because now they're they're done with the league, and then they can focus on probably their biggest game of the season now to against Man City. Yeah, all valid points, and yeah, uh, Marcelo looks like he's going to get the send off that Sergio Ramos thought he was going to get at some point, or should have maybe gotten. Uh, and then obviously you can name a couple of others, but yeah, tw- I mean twenty-four league titles. God damn! I think uh, the big point here. Aside from the fact that Madrid won so early, it, I think the yeah the Carlo Ancelotti point it really sticks out to me. That's kind of a sick little accolade. It means he's a traveling man, but he gets it done uh, in any which way he goes. Not to say that he's been given teams that haven't necessarily been too good. He, I mean, he coached at Bayern, he coached at AC, coached at Chelsea, uh, and then PSG. Aside from Real Madrid, a couple of times. Yeah, he seems to be so influential, and it's like I don't know what he does. He just be chilling. It looks like well. Everton. Could, I, I was gonna but... say it could be him taking things for granted a little bit, and Florentino Perez saved him from the shit show that is Everton. Yeah, but so he you... wanted to, you know do right because you can't go back to Real Madrid after being at Everton and not 
win a league or win a trophy. And he did it. Yeah, I think some people are just built for luxury. He went to Everton. He was, you know, he was on Merseyside. Like, bro, what is this? What, what are y'all doing? But also to his credit, he did have Everton, you know, fighting for a European position as, as high up as sixth place last season. A couple of moments where they were top of the league even early on in the season. And they look like a completely different team. So Ancelotti clearly had things going on. And they did have many injuries that really affected them while he was there. So the guy clearly knows what he's doing. But I think he's just more built for luxury, you know. He likes the finer things in life. I'm going to be in Milan or Madrid. Munich, maybe not too long. But long enough to win something. Uh, and when he did, so, I mean, big ups to Carlo Ancelotti there. It's a hell of a stat. I can't think of anybody else that may have that. I'm sure there are other managers out there that have done similar things. Um, maybe not, but it's quite the stat nonetheless. Now, where this puts him in GOAT manager, the GOAT manager conversation, who knows? Uh, that's a conversation that will probably be ongoing forever and ever. Um, but, yeah, kudos to him. Yes, kudos to Carlo Ancelotti. That makes now three of the European Big Five done and dusted. These Italian league, Serie A, is not quite done yet. So. Inter, they appear not to want the Serie A title anymore, albeit they're three points behind. They played their match in hand against Bologna in the midweek, and they stumbled as shit, losing 2-1 on the day. It was an 81st-minute winner from Nicolas Anzoni to put Bologna past the black and blue side of Milan. AC Milan didn't play in the midweek. They did play on the weekend, and they did beat Fiorentina 1-0. Inter did beat Udinese 2-1. But Inter Milan are trailing by two points. Napoli are sitting in third on 70 points. Their chances at a title might have just slipped up, even though they just destroyed the shit out of Sassuolo on Saturday. They should have kept that same energy for Empoli last week, fam. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm hating six goals. They cook Sassuolo. Uh, but yeah, that main thing of the week, I think, is there, uh, you hit it on the head. Inter Milan own goaling them their way out of the title race, allegedly, as AC Milan continuing to win. What a way to do that to yourself. Unbelievable. Late on in the match, whiffing the ball, and it falls into your net. Look like FIFA. That was a FIFA move right there when you're trying to lose on purpose. Goodness gracious. I want to pause the pod really quickly, really quickly, um, if you don't mind. The floor is yours. Remember back when I gave BS of the week to former New York Red Bull turned CBS pundit Mike Grella for yes. saying that Inter would win the league by 20 points in January? Ooh, yeah. It's May. Inter are trailing by two points. If they win the league, it certainly won't be by 20. Can we just acknowledge how outlandish that was? Almost as outlandish as me saying the league in the Prem was done after Christmas, which I, I mean, I might not be wrong, but yeah, no, that was absolutely outlandish. 20 points, huh? AC Milan said, yeah. I... In January. Crazy. When when the title race was as, was not as close as it got in February and March, but was not even close to over. Certainly not as far as the Premier League race was at that point. And uh, as I said, uh, not we saw just maybe a couple weeks after that, things uh, get close and really close at that. Right. So now in terms of the Prem, even though Man City might win it, it wasn't done and dusted since December because Liverpool has been making that push. And whenever Liverpool plays ahead of City and they get a win, they're always leapfrogging them, having to wait on what happens with Manchester City in their results. We saw the similar happen this weekend. Liverpool, they played, who did they play? Newcastle. Yes. A match which I thought was going to be, well, I guess I did get what I expected. one nothing. Naby Keita scoring the long goal in that one. Putting them at the top spot for the time being until Manchester City put four past Leeds United. Taking yeah. back their top spot. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we've been set up to get this a lot to finish the season. Hey, man, the Premier League, uh, who's ever giving, you know, who's ever making the scheduling, 
they have hit it on the head. We get Liverpool playing before City. Liverpool sits atop the league for an hour or two. City wins and goes back up top, giving us that real race feel there. Yeah, this might be the um, seesaw that we're going to get from here to the end of the season. Now, anything else worth talking about in England? Burnley Football Club sacked Sean Dyche and are playing out of their minds. Three wins from three, including this weekend. Uh, a heroic comeback against 19th place Watford. They were down 1-0 the entire match with chance upon chance upon chance. Uh, and in the 80, after the 80th minute, they scored two goals. I think one in the 82nd and another in the 85th to take the lead. And quite the win for Burnley. They sit now in 16th place. And if you're counting, that's two uh, ahead of Everton, who are sitting 18, and then that's tied with Leeds, who are on 17. Everton, as well, uh, would get the all-important win against Chelsea, something that I pretty much guaranteed would not happen. <laughs> Shows that you never know what will happen with a relegation dogfight. A wild win for Frank Lampard against his old club. And uh, they're two points, like I said, away from safety. Everton, I mean... Their murderous row is continuing, and they started it on a on the front foot. To be fair to them, they got Leicester next, Watford after that, and uh, can they make something happen out of it? I still think no. Burnley are the team to watch. They are climbing the table late in the season. Can you believe it? That's pretty much it for me in the Premier League. I, have I got. Go ahead. Norwich are officially relegated. Oh, how could I forget? Look at that. The everlasting yo-yo between them and Fulham every season continues. They go down, Fulham come back up, and we're probably going to see the same in reverse next season. Yeah, a little back and forth, back and forth for them. Uh, they've sacked Daniel Fark, who was there for the entire roller coaster ride, basically, for the last couple of years. We'll see what happens now, should they come back up. Uh, interestingly enough, Fark's replacement, Dean Smith, former coach of Aston Villa, had to watch his old team beat him and sack him, send him to the championship. So I'm sure that must have felt funny for Dean Smith. Hey, it happens. What are you going to do, right? Yeah, man. The first team confirmed relegation in England. Watford, you're on the clock. Watford, five losses and maybe more on the back of that. They can't buy a win. That's why they're in 19th place. <laughs> yep, that takes care of England. Um, Germany is already done and dusted, as is France. <laughs> to bring it back to European footy, the format changes in the Champions League have been absolutely insane. So for a while now, we knew that they would scrap what we currently know as the Champions League for a Swiss model where a team would play not the same team twice, but 10 different teams. And that's how they will play the group stage. Um, apparently, they will add more teams to um, the European competitions. And part of the qualifiers will be a team based on historical merit, not past season merit. So hypothetically speaking, Manchester United, who are in the mud right now, could qualify for Champions League because of historical performances rather than, you know, miss out on the Conference League or European football altogether because of how shit they've been in the Prem. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. This right here is basically Super League light. Yeah, the coefficient rules, dog shit, man. Hate to see it. Uh, uh, Seferin, the president of UEFA, was a strong voice in taking on the Super League, and we talked about it heavily that, Hey, man, I don't know if he's any better than making the Champions League something else entirely. Am I going to watch? Yes. Will I like it? Probably not. Yeah, it, 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 the rule still applies. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this is something that ain't broke. The away goal rule being removed, I think, was more than enough. We could have led it with that. But, yeah, the coefficient thing really kind of, um, I guess, further incentivizes the club footy and the historical uh, aspect of the game, which, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. How much does historic have to play with what you do on the pitch? Money grab? Probably. Definitely. And they're forgetting that. A run like Villarreal is having the Champions League and like they did in the Europa League last year and what Frankfurt is doing in the Europa League this year. And last year, I believe, right? 
Hmm? And Frankfurt did the year before as well, or maybe the year before that. Frankfurt's been a mainstay in the deep, uh, the deep edges of the uh, Europa League, I believe. They could win the Europa League and make it, make it to the, and they will qualify for the Champions League. And who knows? Maybe when they're in the Champions League, they'll have a run of their own in that competition, similar to what Villarreal are doing now. You don't get these with a Swiss model Champions League, which is Super League light. You just don't. For all that, you might as well just bring back the Super League, which is going to be shit on itself. Something else that was proposed was a Final Four-type tournament. Single matches at neutral venue. Thoughts? Not mad at that. I think the single match winner-go-home scenario makes things a lot more interesting. Forces teams to kind of give it their all in that ninety minute, in those 90 minutes. Diego Simeone, for example, might not like it as much. He, he clearly plans across two legs. But yeah, I'm not mad at the, the, the winner-go-home if that somehow enters the Champions League. I think I kind of like that, especially de- in the deeper rounds of the of the, of the tournament. It'll Take be a that. Final Four type scenario, similar yeah. to how they did it during COVID in Portugal. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that would make for more electrifying footy. Uh, definitely the stakes will be raised, uh, maybe a little bit more nerves. And it'll increase the likelihood of uh, maybe the underdog moving forward or just a surprise, uh, surprise victories, you know, maybe much more thrilling results. So I'm definitely with that. I don't mind it. They keep it as is. That's fine. Um, But I feel like before you even make any of those changes, stop flirting with this Swiss system and stop trying to fuck with the Champions League as is. Because, yeah, again, that, there's no issue with it. I mean, some people yeah, don't like the yeah, Champions League. That's what we call doing the most. And that's fine. Doing this type of change that, unless you want to go straight knockout for the entire thing, in which case it's not a league, it's more of a tournament. Apparently, it's a system that they use in chess. Bruh. I'm sure the Swiss don't want any parts in this bullshit. That's a fact. Uh, I'll speak on behalf of the Swiss. <laughs> Ah, you do. <laughs> yeah, <sure> enough. <laughs> but that being said, we, we call the Super League BS. We call Seferin BS. We call this Swiss model BS. I mean, it seems like all signs are pointing to that time. And we call this segment BS. It's BS of the week time. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you are afraid to say it, but it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times, it's uh, it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll kick us off. First things first, rest in peace, Mino Raiola. Facts. He passed on Saturday. The way people tried to kill him off on Thursday was wild. Everyone was sending his um, RIP Mino Raiola on Thursday. Many outlets reported it. The Daily Mail, The Sun, Manchester Times, Real Madrid, and this guy called Tancredi Palmeri. His tweet was blatant. Italian football agent Mino Raiola died after illness. He was agent of Ibrahimovic, Pogba, and Haaland. But this man, which we now know, Raiola, who which we now know tweeted from what ended up being his deathbed, said, no, I'm very much still alive. And Fabrizio Romano confirmed that he was, you know, alive. Not well, but alive. And now we know since Saturday he passed. The guy I just mentioned, Tangredi Palmeri, was the first to report that he passed. And when he got caught, you know, trying to race to be the first one to report it, went to went back to Turin and said, and I quote, 
I deleted tweets about Rayola. It wasn't speculation or quote, run to be first. I've never do any like this on such manner. News was broke on TGLA7, most rated Italian TV news, confirmed by all Italian biggest media. But I did tweet wrong too, therefore I am mortified and apologize. Real quick before I read his follow-up tweet, um, the way he threw that um, news outlet under the bus when he didn't even uh, cite his sources in his initial Mino Raiola's dead tweet. Thoughts? Yeah, so uh, it seems like when things went left for Buddy, uh, Mr. Uh, Palmieri, he, he was quick to drop those sources as if to kind of uh, uh, exonerate himself from uh, responsibility. But with news like that, you gotta double, triple, quadruple check before you can you know, pull something like that out. Uh, clearly he dropped it early for a reason. He wanted to be one of the first to it. And that's where your kind of morals go out the window there. The excuse was just that an excuse. Uh, you could try again miss me with that. File as it gets. Yeah, we don't, yeah, I would call it BS, similar to how you would. His self-imposed, quote-unquote, punishment is even more BS. His follow-up tweet, quote, Therefore, I have decided to suspend myself from Twitter for next week. Again, I wasn't the one to break it about Rayola. Quote, institutional tweets about works will still come due to working commitments, but I won't tweet anything from my voice for next week. Again, have fast suspension because you're still using Twitter and you're still tweeting and stuff like that, calling it news. The funny bit is that um, he tweeted, he quote tweeted Mino Rayola's Twitter where they announced his passing and the man was getting slandered for it. People were like, are you sure this time? The way Adam Schefter broke Tom Brady's retirement. Um, and then Homeboy blocked everybody who had something negative to say to him. And he turned off his Twitter replies, which I didn't know you could do. Uh, maybe maybe Elon Musk put that in. No, I don't know. I, I think that was there. I honestly never noticed that until, the, until this. But... um. Tan credi palmeri. He does not have credibility. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, I had to pat myself on the back one time. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but yes, um, it's like me saying, I stole this chocolate cake and therefore I will not have any sweets other than the sweets my parents give me. And then I'm just dogging chocolate chip cookies and muffins. Like, no. BS of the week to Mr. Palmeri. There's a reason why you're a former Gazeta de la Sport contributor. LV, what have you got? This goes back into the Europa League on Thursday. Match that we just spoke about recently. West Ham versus Frankfurt at the Dirty Bubble, a.k.a. the London Stadium. Now, West Ham fans, as we know, are known for blowing the bubbles whether it be for celebrations or pre-match uh, hype, things of that nature, all, all occasions, the bubbles are blowing at the Dirty Bubble, hence the name. We also know that Frankfurt fans come in deep. They took over uh, the Camp Nou in uh, Barcelona by the thousands, if you will, and they attempted to do the same, and they basically did more of the same at the London Stadium. Now, West Ham are also known to have some hooligans that be wild. And sure enough, you could expect that in a heated Europa League semifinal match where, you know, it was a high-scoring affair and nerves were flying. Now, after Mikel Antonio equalized shortly after Frankfurt scored the opening goal, uh, German radio commentators who were live commentating the match at the London Stadium got jumped by West Ham hooligans. They got the brakes beat off of them while they were live uh, reporting. And you could hear... Uh, the microphones muffling, some jabs being thrown. It was madness. Madness ensued, if you will, after Mikel Antonio's equalizer. Listen, I'm all for supporting your football club and being passionate about that. Uh, but my BS of the week here comes to the West Ham Hooligans. First of all, where's the hospitality? Second of all, 
if you're gonna beat somebody up, beat the Frankfurt fans up, not the radio commentators. They're just doing their job. And third of all, if you was gonna beat up a commentator, you should have beat up someone that was on TV. <laughs> Maybe the fourth official, <laughs> you know. At least that way we could see it. BS of the week, uh, West Ham hooligans who were identified. I won't put their names on here, but they were identified. Uh, yeah, beat, beat somebody else up. You know, pick, some, pick on somebody your own size. Yes, there were two buns to pick on Frankfurt fans. Facts. There will be a second leg in Frankfurt. I'd like to see some Frankfurt fans responding. Uh, once y'all beat up a West Ham commentator, or not the commentator, maybe y'all should pick a fight with the hooligans there. We shall see whether or not that happens. But uh, yes. Did you have any other BS of the week? That will do it for me. Okay, because I remember sending you that video of Wembley Stadium beer. Ew. <laughs> uh, apparently that video came um during the Tyson Fury fight at Wembley. That where... actually sounds that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> There's like beer on like a little tray and like they're scooping it up and pouring it into another cup. And I'm assuming that's what they're giving the people. That is disgusting hand tasted beer. Taste other people's scars and bandages and shit. Like, ugh. If we ever go to Wembley Stadium, miss me on the beer shit. Unless it's in a can or a bottle. I cannot deal with that cup beer at Wembley. It, it looks disgusting. Yeah, that was a very, uh, it looked like a, an environment in which COVID could thrive. <laughs> I would even say more than just COVID. Um, hepatitis B, tuberculosis, <laughs> chlamydia. Oh no! Um, the herpes. And if anyone ever serves me beer like that, I I have no choice but to you know ban myself from that specific venue because I'm throwing the shit right back at them. I can't. Facts. Do them like the West Ham hooligans did the radio commentators. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Like, why are you disrespecting me? Facts. Well, why are you giving me this beer residue? Why are you giving me the beer residue? Oh, God. All right. Wait, before, before I hear anything else like that, that could potentially ruin my week, <laughs> Ronnie, you want to go ahead and sign the boys off? You guys do not drink your sparkling water that way. So, very well. I appreciate that. Um, Aquafina might be its equivalent. Yes. <laughs> thank you all for listening to episode 92 of the Football Misfits podcast. Thank you all for your listenership and your interactions with us on social medias at Footy Misfits on Instant gram episode 93 seven away from 100 the century point is right around the corner so for sparkling spence and the good brother lv i go by the name of ronnie we'll see you then stay strong be brave don't drink that wembley beer adios gente. Woo! It's gonna be mine. Did we mention <laughs> that Real Madrid won their 35th?